0: Bam, we are back. Welcome to another episode of The Awakening Self. My name is Aaron Fisher, and today I'd like to bring you another guest. Her name is Simone Park. Let me read to you her bio. A relatively new and ballsy comedian, I would definitely say ballsy, Simone has been pushing her limits. She was one of the only top three finalists in North America for the next Best Common Award in her first few months of doing stand-up. In less than three years, she's performed all over the world, Stand-Up Soul, Bangkok Comedy Fringe Festival, Cobb's Company, and the 34th Annual Miss Asian Global Pageant in San Francisco, including a set in a language she has never learned, Spanish, for Stand-Up Comedy Costa Rica. She is excited to perform in the upcoming Aloha Comedy Festival in Honolulu this February, Last for Lies fundraiser in San Francisco in March, and at the hilarious comedy festival in Seattle in April. So, without further ado, let me bring in. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Can you see me? Yeah,
0: I I see a reflect. I, I see a reflection. You look great. Okay.
1: Thanks. Hi, bro.
0: Yo, what up? <laughs> What's up, sis?
1: <laughs> I, want, I wanted to do this outside, but the internet is not good enough to do it from the hammock, so here we are.
0: It is what it is, but uh, it is yeah, it is. I read your bio, very comedy-related, this one.
1: Sure. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, it's just, I've I've known you for so long that, you know, it's like reading the, like, there's so many different facets of you as an individual. There's the comedy, and then there's a whole bunch of other stuff, but.
1: So you're saying I'm bipolar.
0: I'm saying that you're more like a rainbow polar.
1: (laughs) Oh, (laughs) okay. I'll take it. It makes sense (laughs) being here in Hawaii.
0: So the one I want to ask you is, um, would you be. Open to sharing a little bit of you, your story, your background, and to how you got to where you are today.
1: Sure. Um, I feel like that can take a really long time. Is there something specific that you'd like to just, know? Just go, okay. just go with it. Uh, Let's see. To try to make a long story short, I suppose I really lived most of my life until this point trying to please others and trying to live up to an impossible ideal for my parents, for society, for my significant other at the time. And that led to many, many years of not even knowing who I am, not knowing what made me happy. Um, So it wasn't until 2015 that I really took the reins of my life and I decided to give myself the gift of uh, taking the time to figure out who I am and, and what I need and what, yeah, just what makes me happy. And uh, I guess that kind of didn't, that year didn't really end the way that I had imagined. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, I was pretty violently assaulted at gunpoint. And that just opened the floodgates to really like, I don't know how long I have. Life is short. How can I really um, dive further into who is Simone Park? And so, you know, I was supposed to take one year off, which was 2015. As we know, it's now 2020. I haven't really (laughs) gone back to a conventional lifestyle Um, and it's funny because, you know, I, from 2015 to 2016 and every year after that, I always feel like I've done so much work and I've gone so far and I know so much more who I am. And then something will happen to be like, you didn't, but keep going, (laughs) keep going. So it's been, it's been quite the journey over the past five years and I feel really really grateful and happy. Um, I mean, there's definitely been a lot of tears and a lot of cathartic release. And I think before that, I, you know, I think, I think our bodies know what we need and what we need to let go of. And I would say that I just wasn't ready. Maybe I wasn't strong enough at that time to, Say okay, let's let's deal with it and let's let's do this. Mm-hmm. And now it's just like you know, I've reached this age. I honestly feel, I mean, I'd, I'd rather be alive. But if something were to happen and my time were to end now, I would be very happy with the life that I had lived and what I've managed to see. And you know, I do, I do, I do still feel like an optimist for humanity, and that this world is a really beautiful place. And I try to remind myself of that every day, as best I can. So yeah, I feel like that was kind of a summary of my life without actually saying anything at all. Cool, cool.
0: (laughs) Sounds good. So just to stay in the theme of, you know, the podcast in itself, it's, um, you know, different kind of awakening moments. Can you tell, tell us about some of the awake moments that you had along your
1: path? Absolutely. Um, what was a big one for me? There was one right before 2015, right before I decided to take that year off where I literally think I just woke up and I was, you know, next to my significant other at the time. And we had been together for going on five years almost. And it just something had shifted. And I realized that we had grown in different directions and that I was not the same person that I was when we started that relationship. So, you know, I just think that we had different aspirations for what we wanted out of life and those were no longer congruent. Um, So I started doing courses and things to really uncover what I needed for myself. And I realized that, we were no longer on the same path and should probably not be together anymore. So I think um, my choice to end that relationship and, you know, we, we were living together and we, you know, our lives were so heavily ingrained that that was a big upheaval of everything that I knew. But I also knew that if I didn't do that it would be easy to just fall into this sense of being comfortable, even though it really wasn't that comfortable, but just, you know, you get so used to how things are. And so literally, I just like one awakening moment was just waking, actually waking up out of bed and being like, this is not good anymore. And it. I could fall into a very dangerous situation where it's just easier to stay in it Um, you know, because I was also approaching 30 at the time and that's really the age where everybody's getting married and having kids and buying homes. And, you know, we were definitely on that path and to just kind of throw it all away at that point was, was really, um, it was really scary, but I'm so grateful that I did that because I can't imagine what my life would be like to be with the wrong person and, and trying to make our paths coincide when they really weren't, they weren't the same anymore. So that was one. <laughs> Would you like another?
0: <laughs> of course.
1: Um, I think a big, big awakening point for me also was once I started this journey in 2015 and I decided that I was going to Africa, Uh, you know, the, The birth of all of humanity and uh, I don't think I've ever spent that much time connected with nature so I did the uh, Mount Kilimanjaro and we have to kind of sleep on the floor for five days and you know we're going through every climate that the world has to offer on one trip and I'm not that I wasn't that um, I would say I was more like glampy than just like let's sleep on the ground and do this. So definitely had some major awakening spiritually or otherwise at that point, which was really like, it was a huge shift for me. It was very cool. Um, so yeah, Africa was definitely something that connected me to the earth or myself, my, my, my true self, my higher self. Um, so that was dope. (laughs) I feel like i have these awakening moments like all the time so i mean how much time you got you know
0: i got a lot of time
1: she's here all night folks <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: so here's a question then if you you have you say that there's you have so many awakening moments what would you define as an awakening moment
1: something that shifts or contests what you believed you knew before previously. So something that just like, you know, something that you have thought your entire life and then some new found information or something comes into play where you realize, hmm, maybe I need to recalibrate and rethink everything that I thought I had previously known and just just throws everything up in the air. (laughs) It's just like, ah! like which way is up and down um so yeah i would just say something that forces you or causes you to rethink and reassess what you believe and what you value um just yeah something that shifts everything
0: cool yeah <laughs> When you're talking about the relationship that you're like previously in, the one where you kind of had the awakening moment um, and then you said you kind of, you had that moment where you're like, you know what? I think things need to change. They need to shift. Um, Tell me about that process because that couldn't have been easy to go from something with such security into something of the unknown.
1: Mm. Well, I think if I've learned anything over the past five years since I started really going deep into this journey, it's that the best changes never really happen when you're comfortable. They don't. I don't think that's really how it works. And not to say that you can't have a major life-changing moment when you feel good and comfortable. It's not that. It's just usually... You have to kind of navigate through the muddy waters before you can get to a point of clarity, or you have to. What do what they say? The uh, break down before the breakthrough. It's like how many other cheesy quotes can I bring up right now? But um, it's kind of true. It's uh, you know I feel like if I look back on my life, all of the things that I'm truly proud of. They, they were never handed to me and never came easily. Like I had to really work very hard and go through the gauntlet before I was able to feel like I had really achieved something and like leveled up mm-hmm. if you will. So now that I know that I don't, I try not to shy away from um, the things that I know are really painful or really difficult because I try to remind myself that at the end of this, it's going to be totally worth it. Um, at least that's what I keep saying. <laughs> so. Yeah. I was
0: curious to know a little more about that. When you say at the end of it, it will totally be worth it. Do you mean like at the end of this life? Do you mean at the end of this um, journey, the end of this phase, the end of,
1: I think I mean whatever it is that I'm trying to navigate through at that time and Mm. trying to process and trying to um, heal from, most likely. Uh, I think at the end of the day, a lot of this emotional baggage or whatever stems from trauma. And trauma is never something that's easy to process. But what I've noticed, what I used to do in the past was um, if something were to come up and, you know, I think our bodies are very, very good at knowing, like there's this intuition that's just like, this is, this happened and it's, you know, oh, and yeah. what I would do is I would, I would just, it would start to come up and I would just push it down and I'd bury it. And I'd say, I'm, I know nope, that didn't, I'd either completely pretend that it didn't happen or I would just, just be like, I'm not dealing with this right now. And what I have found for myself is when I ignore these signs that my body is telling me or that I just try to pretend like they don't exist, they will always come up again and again and again, and nothing will have ever been dealt with. Mm. <clears throat> so what I, what I feel like I'm doing right now is if something comes up, I, I see that as you know what? You've dealt with strong, you've dealt with worse things in the past. You're strong enough to handle this. This is coming up for a reason. Let's figure this out. Let's, let's do this. Let's dive deep. Um, and so that often involves a lot of, a lot of releasing of pain, a lot of crying. Sometimes I'm, you know, in the fetal position for entire days at the time. And that's okay. You know, also being kind to yourself Oh, I was such a jerk. I was so mean to myself. Um, And so I'm just, I'm really trying to be cognizant of when I do that and saying, you know, because I, I feel like with my friends, with people, I consider my family, I'm so like, I'm like their cheerleader. I'm like, Oh my God, you got this. Like, do you know who you are? Do you know how strong you are and how cool you are? And like, that you can totally get through this. And it's like, why, why can't I be that cheerleader for myself? So I've started to, um, yeah, just like root root for me and just be like, yeah, it's, it's going to be tough and we know this, but we've been through this before and you're still here. You're still strong. You're stronger than ever before. So just like, just, there's like a word in Korean that I feel like is appropriate, but it might not be. And it's, um, like, Chamo, which I don't know, but to me, that word means like, just keep going and be strong and bear through it. I hope there's like, eventually some Korean people who will watch this and be like, not at all. (laughs) That's actually a fast food chain, but you know, whatever. Chamo, chamo.
0: (laughs) But it's cool. Like in a lot of the Korean, or a lot of, Sorry, a lot of different Asian uh, cultures, they have different words. Like in mm-hmm. China, it's almost like uh, they say the word jiao, which means ja, which means to add. Yo means to add oil, meaning add fuel, like just keep going, keep going. You got this. So
1: huh? that's cool. Yeah.
0: And I feel that a lot of the Asian um, cultures that I've been around, they have these certain kind of words that like it's going to get tough. It's going to get messy. Here's the word. Remember mm-hmm. this. Move forward.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, more about what you were talking about earlier was it's like to find out who Simone is. You mm-hmm. know, it, it's like, when did you realize that Simone wasn't Simone? <laughs> <clears throat>
1: um, it was around that same time before I, like right before 20, 2015 where I think my, my decision to take that year off was because I feel like I had gotten so lost in that relationship and, um, you know, what society had expected of me and what my parents had expected of me that finally I just realized, like, I don't know. I don't know who Simone is. Simone doesn't know who Simone is. I know who Simone was trying to pretend to be. And I just realized that everything that I had been doing was really an attempt to prove something um, or to please other people. And I was just like, I was so done with that. I was just like, how can I please myself? And I think the good, the good thing about um, not knowing was that it was a huge opportunity to learn. You know, it's really just a blank slate to... And I, oh, I tried everything. (laughs) I was like, oh, well, I don't, I won't know if I like it or if it's a part of who I am unless I try it. You know, how am I going to say I don't like something if I've never tried it before? So I just like, you know, thank God for Groupon. I was just out there trying. I was like, yeah, maybe I'll fly a plane. Maybe I'll be a stunt driver. Maybe I'll rock climb. Maybe I'll, you know, I did. I did everything. I tried it. Mm -hmm. And um, it was super fun to You know choose for myself and listen to myself and my body and just be like oh yeah oh this feels really good this is something that i definitely want to see if this is something i want to do more and i think i realized that the things that really felt good to me i strangely wasn't doing Hmm. which was kind of like why am i not doing the things that feel good why? That's like weird. And it's like, Oh, because you didn't really love yourself. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) So that was kind of a hard pill to swallow. But, um, you know, I feel very grateful that I know now, and I'm taking the steps to honor myself and do the things that bring me joy, hopefully every single day. And uh, it doesn't always work out, but you know, it's at least having that little, that little voice that's like, Does this feel good? Is this for you? Or is this because you feel like you have to prove something or you want to prove somebody wrong? Or it's like, Oh, I just, I've, I've lived so much of my life trying to prove other people wrong. And it's exhausting to, to do things that are not in line with who you are, just because you feel like you have to prove something to somebody that doesn't really matter. It's just so counterintuitive. Really? It's a waste of time. It's a waste of time, energy, energy, And this short thing that we call life that could otherwise be so beautiful if we're just like not going to waste time trying to like prove myself or do this thing for everybody else. I just want to do things for me and a lot of what I thought I wanted. And that's totally shifted in the past five years for sure. I feel like, I feel like you and I met at the very beginning of this journey. So it's interesting to me for people who have been there before and to, to know me, know me now. So I think it's really, really interesting. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I, I have known you for a whole bit and I still see the same person that I saw before. You know, That's some good. determined, passionate, willing to get out there, discovering, learning, cheerleader for others, and trying to under- better understand yourself, but still exploring, you know, it's just like, there's so many aspects of you that I love, I respect, that inspire me, because I'm like, you know, like, I've even been in situations where I'm like, what would Simone do here? I'm like, <laughs> all right, let's... Let- you know, like, you know, the old saying, like, pull a Simone was like traveling. But for me, it's like, okay, so I'm in a situation, I need to pull a Simone. And like, I would pull a Simone and that would be like, that's that's a positive. That's like, do something you normally wouldn't do, because why not? What, what do you have to lose in the situation, mm-hmm. which is nothing. And I feel that a lot of the things that you were talking about previously, it's, I believe that all of us go through that idea of, living a life, being who we think other people want us to be and working so hard towards that, that when they don't see us as a person that, we're be- that we've been trying to be to them our whole lives, it kind of puts us in a spin and be like, who the hell am I?
1: Uh-huh.
0: And, and that's something you can't, you can't control. I can't control how you see me. But what I can control is how I see myself and what I'm going to do to be the person I want to be. It's like, I can't be like, Oh, Aaron thinks, everybody thinks Aaron's a nice person. I can't control that. But what I can control is if I am a nice person, when I'm in a situation to do things from the, from the kindness of my own heart, Mm -hmm. these are the things I can do. These are the, the conversations that I can have, but to live in the minds of other people It just digs deeper holes in the mind of yourself.
1: It's so funny that you say that because I now wonder, like there's a saying in Korea, like I feel like Asian, a lot of Asian countries are very, um, they kind of do things in a different way, let's say. And in Korea, there's a saying that you are not who you think you are. You are who other people say you are. So I wonder if a lot of how I lived most of my life was a result of me and my either through partial DNA or through, you know, being brought up in a very Asian, like Korean household, if that was kind of how I just believed things were and should be. I don't know.
0: Maybe it's a thing with, immigrants that come from a foreign country you know I, I i don't know but i know with my i was in i still remember i was in like the elevator with my father and this was a fun phase in my life i was like six years old and i'm like mom dad i'm gonna be a vegetarian and i I went to my grandma's place and like i just ate the shit out of like the potato salad i'm like this is the greatest thing i'm gonna be that i'm gonna be a vegetarian and i get into the the elevator and i'm just like you know i'm so happy with my new my new mindset and i'm like six years old and i'm like i don't even care what people think about me and my dad stopped in the elevator looked at me he's like you should always care what people think about you and see mm-hmm. when, and wow but wow. he came from a country where it made a difference like face is so important the way that you showed up was so important he was not he was a foreigner in this country. So he had Mm. to play by certain rules that foreigners had to play where I'm, I was born here where it's a little different. Well, I felt that it was a little different for me, but his beliefs were planted on me at such a young age, you know, a conversation in an elevator that he'll never remember, but that stayed with me for so much of my life. It's, It's crazy how you have these, these moments in our lives that to one person could be nothing but to us can be everything and can change our trajectory throughout life
1: oh yeah absolutely even like that's why i think having good people around you like teachers one bad teacher that's like you are dumb and you will never amount to anything oh yeah could change but another teacher that's like you're amazing and you have a gift and you really need to keep that like it's a total one hundred and eighty on the effects of that child or that that human. So, I agree with you. I think, you know, we are creatures that that want to that like need other interaction with other human beings. And I think if we're uh, told positive reinforcement and are supported and you know just loved that can really change everything for somebody and also um conversely you know if somebody is just told that they're a piece of shit their whole life um there are definitely people who are strong enough and be like no i'm gonna prove them wrong and like blah 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 but for the most part it's like you hear these negative things your entire life they they will just seep into your pores and you don't understand why you feel that way um so I think it's very super important to manage who like what energy and what people you're allowing into your space and allowing to influence because they they will influence. Like you do become the people that you spend the most time with. And I think I used to be very free, like I just wanted to oh, I'm such an extrovert and I'm like as I get older I'm actually like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> You enjoy it from time to time. I love getting up on stage and doing comedy, but I also highly dislike being around a lot of people. I'm just like, oh, where, 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 when can I go back to a farm and just be just be with maybe a couple animals and nature?
0: Yeah, yeah it's, they say it's it is the people that you surround yourself with, but also the music and the movies oh, yeah. and the food and the everything that. That's all around us. That really helps mm-hmm. to shape the individuals that we are, and you know, it's and also breaking away from the labels of "I am supposed to be like this" and then living in an avatar that you feel super uncomfortable in because you're trying to live up to something that you don't even believe in. Mm-hmm.
1: And it's impossible to, like, you will never live up to somebody else's ideal. It's an impo- it's like a zero sum. You just you just keep cycling and it's like this hamster wheel where you'll never be able to get off and ha. ha. So yeah, sex joke came into my mind. Anywho. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: well, Control. I'm, I'm curious to know from you know the, like I said, there's there's so many different levels of your of your life and the things that you've gone through. What drew you into comedy at this part of your life?
1: Um, <clears throat> I think it was just allowing myself to really put myself out there. Like if I look back, I can remember in like middle school or junior high and I would literally get up on the table on the desk and I'd be singing like show tunes. And I'm like, always trying to make people laugh. And like in my little groups of circle, I was always like, how can I get people to laugh? Like, <laughs> this is funny. Let's do this. So that was always a part of me. And I think I you know, I always wanted to be out there and that was not an acceptable thing in my family. And I remember I had gotten an opportunity to be on like the first, um, the first reality show in Canada. This was, I'm dating myself right now. <laughs> uh, that was a long time ago, but, uh, yeah, like my Mom and the person I was dating at the time were like, Yeah, if you do this, like you're done, disowned, break, broken up with. And <clears throat> you know, I didn't, and I don't regret it because I wound up getting a job that allowed me to like live and travel all over the world. And like, I wouldn't speak the languages that I do now. And like, a big part of who I am is a result of being able to live all over the world and stuff like that. So I think the point for me where I realized I wanted to try comedy. There was kind of two points. So uh, in 2015, actually, was it 2015? Yeah, I think I was in California, and I actually went on a Tinder date with a comedian. And he took me, we went to an open mic in LA, and four, four ex-military white men went up back to back. And they all did material or jokes on brothels in Southeast Asia and i was just really disgusted by that as Mm. a asian woman so i started saying like you know they would do a joke and i'd be like they didn't choose that life you know (laughs) like i would just say stuff and my friend is like what are you doing like you're embarrassing me because i had never been to an open mic so i didn't realize it wasn't a repartee and that i couldn't you know Mm. that i was technically heckling i had no idea So I felt so bad, like as a Canadian, I was like, oh my God, sorry. So I put my name, (laughs) I signed up and I put my name in and I kind of like explained myself and just tried to do some jokes for five minutes or seven minutes or whatever. Then it wasn't until two years later that I was actually in uh, South America. So I had, uh, I decided to help a friend and uh, like consult with his company his new startup, and i had wanted to learn Spanish to to help my friend who was actually running, he wanted to be president of his uh, country. And I was like, well, I don't want to help the wrong person, so I need to learn Spanish. Then my friend was like, well, if you want to, you can, like, work with us and we'll send you to Colombia and to Argentina for a month each. And I was like, that's a great way to immerse myself. And when I was in Colombia, for some reason – Oh, it's because I would learn all of this slang, like specifically Colombian to the region where I was staying, and then when we would go on these excursions, and I'm kind of like the team cat uh, what is it called when you round up the cats. Um, so I was like kind of like you know the one that's helping out, and so I would be the liaison between the people who were there on the trip and the people who were from Colombia taking us around. And so I would take the little bits of um, local slang that I would learn, and I'm doing my little stand-up without even knowing it in Spanish, and they're finding it hilarious. Like, they were just like, who is this crazy person? And so I was like, huh, maybe I should try stand-up comedy. And then I went to Argentina, and they had the only English-speaking comedy night or comedy show in South America, so they said. And I didn't want to go and watch it. I wanted to go and I wanted to perform because yeah, that's who I am. Um, it was like, whoa, slow your roll, <laughs> but I never wound up doing that. So I eventually, after a thing in new Orleans, I went back to Toronto and I signed up for a uh, second city Stand Up level one. And then after that, I was just like, I did my first couple of performances and I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to Asia. And I, I just left and I went and I did comedy in Korea and then Korea started to get cold. So I got into the Bangkok comedy fringe festival in Thailand and I went to Thailand and then it's just kind of been very, like very, very ballsy, um, definitely entering things. I probably have no business being in, but you know, I figure if I'm, if I have no business being there, they'll let, they'll let me know or rather (laughs) they won't put me in the thing. So better to try than to like wonder what if, if I had applied or if I had put myself out there. So I'm just like, here, here we go. Here's Simone. <laughs> See? <laughs> <laughs> Did I answer your question?
0: <laughs> yes. So what is it about comedy that you enjoy so much that keeps you coming back on the stage?
1: You know what? It's, it's almost an indescribable thing, but it's like when you get up on stage and it doesn't even really matter if it's like five people in the audience or 500 people, there's something that I feel makes me feel so alive. And when people laugh, like really laugh, like you, you know, if you've done well or if it was like mediocre at best, but when you're on and you connect with these people and like, honestly, I've, I've, I try to record at least voice record every single time I do comedy. And sometimes it's like, I think I literally almost black out because I don't Mm. remember. I don't really remember if I've stuck to what I wanted to do or if something will happen where the crowd will like, you know, something will happen. It's really, it's a, it's a weird thing, but it just, I never feel as alive as I do when I'm on stage And when I connect with the crowd, it's a, it's an amazing feeling. I also feel that comedy is probably one of the most difficult things to do, which I always love a challenge. Um, but it's also, it's a great tool to be able to spread your truth In a way that's like easily digestible because people let their guard down when it's comedy. They're like, all right, let's listen to what she has to say because, you know, she's trying to make us laugh. And I feel like if I can use, if I like, if I can get good enough to really spread awareness about things that I genuinely deeply care for and get people to kind of laugh. And then maybe later on they're like, oh, wait a second, North Korean people are treated like shit. Oh my God, <laughs> what? <laughs> How did that seep in there? Um, so it's kind of like brain ninjaing them using comedy, but for the greater good, it's not like, you know, I'm gonna do something terrible. It's just, get it? it's, a, it's, a, it's a platform, a very powerful platform to get people to open up and listen. And hopefully start to care about things that I feel are really important and that they otherwise may just never, they're just like, no, that's not for me and I don't care. And so that's where I would love to be is like to be so skilled at this craft where I can really get people to care about shit that I care about. It's not shit. Um, <laughs> backpedal about the
0: things
1: that are truly important to me. Because
0: you see a lot of comedians on, you know, you hear some talk, like when you listen to a lot of the talks they talk about, you know, it's just like you see me as a comedian, but I'm just able to bring you racism in a way that you're able to be like, oh, I can understand sexism in a way that, oh, you can understand, you know, these things in a way that's just like, If I were to bring it into another way, you'd get very defensive and you'd move Mm -hmm. away. But now that I have you in the audience, we can bring in the culture, we can bring in the sex, we can bring in a whole bunch of other stuff, we can laugh about it. But at the end of the day, you actually do walk away feeling educated on something that you would normally feel shame or blame on.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And for a long time, it was like, it was kind of my form of therapy. And, uh, you know, the audience didn't necessarily sign up for that, but it was my way of like getting my truth or my trauma out there in a way where if I could eventually laugh at myself time and time again, it started to dissolve the chains that it had around me, you know, that noose around my neck Um. So yeah, I think it's a way to like eventually overcome things that have just plagued us our entire lives. And it's like, eventually, if you keep laughing at this thing that before was so painful and traumatic, it's like, well, actually, it doesn't really hold that dominion over me anymore. And it's not as scary. And like, yeah, it's shitty, and it's messed up, and it happened. But I'm finally able to, like, get over that. So I think a lot of comedians are actually very tortured people. (laughs) Like, it's like, how can I spin this web of darkness into something that will make people laugh? And it's like, yeah, (laughs) I'm pretty happy, though. Let's just um, preface that with uh, feeling good, feeling good, guys, feeling good.
0: Here's here's the question. What do you feel like, how would I ask this? So do you feel laughter is important in our society? And if so, why?
1: I think laughter is one of those things that every human needs more of. I think laughter is something that can actually help save, maybe not save the world, but save ourselves from ourselves. (laughs) Because I think laughter is associated with joy and with happiness. And I think it's hugely important. I think it actually has, I think it, you know, they say laughter is medicine Mm -hmm. and I think it is. It is like, have you ever, I think some of the best moments for me, and I think we have shared some of those moments where we laugh so much. It's literally better than the seven minute abs. It's just, it's you're crying, your, your stomach hurts, you know, maybe a little peas come out or you've tooted or something. And it's just like, those are the best. Those are the best moments for me. Um, And I think, you know, life is short and we need to try to do the things that bring us joy as best we can. And for me, oftentimes that's like good company and laughing and great food. Great food is really, really important to me. It has nothing to do with anything we've talked about. I'm just putting it out there.
0: <laughs> it's still a so beautiful thing. And yeah, laughter is you know, being able to laugh at yourself and laugh at those moments to be able to be more um, responsive versus reactive, you know, instead of being Mm. like, oh, so stupid, be like, all right, let's look at the situation and then talk about it, laugh about it. Okay, because like the different frames of mind help to create the different frames of possibility and answers. And laughter in itself, it just there's just something so beautiful about it. You know, like me and you have shared like laughing fits where we've hit the ground over like somebody's name and it was amazing. (laughs) You know what I mean? But I, I just, I'm always curious to know like how certain emotions are so important in other people's lives. Like the whole spectrum of emotions are very important and you know, they should all be experienced. They should all be felt. They should all be respected and acknowledged. But Laughter is not really, people aren't, aren't like, oh, I feel happy today. I mean, people don't say, oh, I feel laughter today. Yeah. You know what I mean? Byproduct of something that's happening within your soul to almost like release, let go, you know, and just to kind of breathe a little bit and a little more in your life. Mm-hmm. So my, my next question for you is if you could speak to your younger self. What would you say? That, what would you say to them?
1: I would say, "I love you. Nothing was your fault, And just do the things that make you happy mm. every single day. And, like, give her a big hug. And be like, you're so fucking cute. Oh, my God. No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You're such a cutie, Patoot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: I think giving the younger self a hug is super important. Because, you know, they went through all this stuff. hmm Because they didn't know. But because they went through what they went through, we're here today, the people that we are. And, you know, they went through the tough, the battles, the sadness, the depression, you know, for me personally, like the suicide thoughts, the bulimia, like all this stuff. It's like, thank you for everything that you did because you went through the hardest shit in your life. And because of that, I'm here today where I am, being able to grow and to do the things that I can. That's why I always like to ask that question because,
1: yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think um yeah. <laughs> so I've been uh I've had a few things come up. I was doing this very like interesting form of therapy recently in LA just before I came out to Hawaii. And apparently my so I think our body holds a lot of the trauma or the experiences that we have as children and throughout our lives. And our bodies automatically go into like protection mode Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and so there were some interesting things that were coming up um he said that my right arm was literally ready to punch somebody which was like "Mm, that's probably not normal (laughs) Mm." and so the second time he actually managed to release um, because i've been having some issues with my right leg mostly And uh, he managed to, like, release my, like, my pelvis. And he said that as probably in childhood, instinctively what women do if they feel like they are in a situation that might not be safe is they automatically close off their pelvis uh, Mm -hmm. in order to protect Like their reproductive organs, and to just like that's their way of protecting themselves. And so that actually happened a very, very most of my life. And now to look back, you know, anytime I travel, anytime I'm out, I'm always putting up this, this really like this bravado and this like, do not fuck with me. I mean, you might. You might get away with something, but you're probably gonna lose a testicle or an eyeball. Just mm. saying. Like I'm a, I'm gonna get something. <laughs> you're not gonna just get off scot free. And I'd also find that I would, um if I, if I was in a situation, I'd be like, all right, if I needed to get out of here quickly all I would need to do is take out that light bulb, do, you know, shimmy over here. Like, I'm like, why am I casing this joint right now? And it, you know, it makes sense now that I just, you know, this idea of safety was never really a thing. And it makes sense now also that I haven't really stopped traveling over the past five years. And I'm trying to be very honest with myself if that had to do with this idea of, safety of people never really knowing that far in advance where i'm going to be mm-hmm. and i recognize now that i'm i've been doing this basically never staying in a place for longer than a couple months at a time for over 5 years and i'm tired and i'm ready to find a place that feels safe to me and i don't know that Toronto is it Toronto is starting to feel very, you know, when I used to travel in my twenties and I had this job that would leave, like have me living in a new country every three to seven months. I always loved coming back to Toronto because it did feel safe. I was like, ah, there's like no guns. There's no crime. I have my family here. I have my friends. And it, it, to me, I felt that it was safe. And I just feel like lately, Toronto is not Toronto anymore. Not, not the Toronto that I loved so much. And it's starting to, I know that it's still probably much safer than a lot of other cities, but it's just not, it's not there for me anymore. And that's really sad for me, but I don't know if that's where I will wind up rooting. Um, I don't know why I mentioned that, but um <laughs> So when I come back to Toronto in April, if you wanna see me, that might be the last chance, folks. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just I feel like if I if I think about what's important to me, it's finding a place that feels peaceful and that feels safe and where I do feel joy. And that's what I am seeking to find. Like I'm I'm really working as hard as I can to to get there. And I feel like I might've narrowed it down slightly, but uh, stay tuned folks. Stay tuned.
0: <laughs> yeah. But uh, I'm, a, I'm with you when you're talking about different places because home is a choice and it's what it, we choose to make it. You know, I've traveled most of my life as well and certain places that used to feel homely don't anymore because I've changed the places change mm-hmm. and what I want in life has also changed. So it's like, certain countries and certain places have been calling me lately that I will go, I'll explore, but I'm at this stage in my life. There are certain things that I need that the certain country is not giving me because, you know, I like to eat fruit seasonally, but Toronto has eight months of snow. So that means <laughs> I, can't, I can't eat seasonal fruit, but I'm, I'm also um, an avid hiker and a runner and I, I like my extreme sports. And I like to be able to do that. I like to be able to get to sunshine. So it's like I've changed so much. Toronto has had these winters. It's been this way for so long. But I'm starting to realize that in my stage in my life and where I'm going, these are the things that I need. And understanding that I am the one that needs to give it to myself and make the changes to do that, just like, you know, you do with your life. You understand that it's you that needs to do this for you to get you what you want and it's not about anybody else.
1: Mhm. I think um again with this idea of trying to please everybody else it's like my needs were the last thing that usually were not even addressed. I was too exhausted to ever try to get there. Mm-hmm. And you know some people may think of it as being selfish and I'm like cool if that's what you want to call it then I'm selfish and I'm going to allow myself to be selfish right now because also, I can't, I can't be of service to anybody else if I'm not actually taking care of myself first and foremost. So I think that's been the the greatest shift for me is recognizing that, no, I need to take care of myself first and foremost, before I can do anything for anybody else.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I'm finally able to be selfish in this way. Good for me. Good for you. Pat on the back.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> well, it's like what it's like we said before: self is the new ish. You know, it, it is. Self like, is. Self is the new ish, and even on a plane, put on your mask before you give it to others. Like there's so much knowledge into it that's like internally, we will vibrate and we'll see things externally and. Internally, for seeing things left, right, and center like a certain way that we don't like, it's a sign to tune into it. So with a few minutes left before the broadcast cuts out, um, uh-huh. where can people find you?
1: Uh, so I guess here on IG, and uh, uh, I have a few things on YouTube if they're interested in the comedy side. They're both the same name, at Spark the Power. Uh, mm-hmm. Spark is for simone park s park Uh, and uh yeah that's right i just i should have winked wink in the gun um yeah i'm just that's probably the best place to find me i'll be posting you know the cities that i'm coming to to do comedy or whatever but uh yeah I don't really, I probably should be better at like, just go to this site and everything will be posted. No, I just, I'm, I'm chilling here on the farm. So <laughs> catch me if you can, folks.
0: <laughs> cool. Well, before we go, I just want to just acknowledge you. Um, you know, I've known you for X of years now. And I just love the person that you are, the growth, the journey, the realness of you, what you bring to people around you what you bring to your life you know that that constant a constant step of just trying to discover more and more and being able to understand that like you know kind of going through the uncomfortable moments to discover more of like the beauty of you the beauty of the person that you are you know it's um it's just an honor to call you my sister and consider you part of my family
1: oh love you so much brother and You know, I do believe that there is perfection in the imperfection and that we shouldn't just try to, like, cover that all the time. And it's like that's where the beauty is, is in the fact that we're not perfect. Mm -hmm. And to be okay with that and put that that side out there is pretty dope. (laughs) (laughs) Love you, brother. Love you, sis. Thank you so much (laughs) for this. All right, take care. Peace.